0: Hi, this is Nick Forster. Welcome to this week's episode of E-Town. We have, as we always do, captured some great conversation, some great music, some great commentary. And uh, we've done it in a new way this week, and it all starts right now.
1: From E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with this week's musical guests, Rufus Wainwright and Joan Osborne. Plus, we'll hear from the director of the insightful new film, The Social Dilemma. And Brandy Carlisle joins Rufus for a very special collaboration. Right now, here's your host, Nick Forster.
0: Thanks, Ellen. Welcome, everybody, to E-Town. We have some beautiful and thought-provoking music today, plus a discussion with filmmaker Jeff Orlowski about the power of social media companies that may have you rethinking what you do online. But we're going to start with some music from Rufus Wainwright. As you know, he is a proud member of an amazingly musical family and is himself an award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer. His new album is called Unfollow the Rules, and it's just been nominated for a Grammy. This is Peaceful Afternoon.
2: It's coming on to 13 years together, babe I pray that it's a luck A lucky, lucky number And although I know I've brought you joy And happiness, babe I've also been a fuck For country thoughts for anger
0: peaceful afternoon from Rufus Wainwright's new album. And he joins me now. Rufus Wainwright, welcome to E-Town.
3: Yes, thank you.
0: First of all, let me ask you, are you holding up okay in your uh, quarantine, your relative isolation?
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I've been, it's been a very productive time. Yeah. I've been writing a lot and uh, I've been going into the studio and certainly, you know, promoting the record and figuring right. out ways to continue surviving in the business. So it's it's a productive time.
0: I imagine you're somebody who gets restless anyway.
3: Yeah. No, I get restless. I'm sad, I'm not touring. Yeah. I'm also just I mean the whole political situation in the United States now is just so baffling and you know, worrisome, but but also hopeful at times. And I think whether you're a citizen or an artist or just a kid or an adult, you know, it's it's just there's a lot of pressure right now. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going on.
0: Yeah. Um, I enjoyed your tunes, and that seemed very generous. You were really putting a lot of time into it and engaging your fans literally all over the world. It was great.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I practice every day in my bathrobe, regardless. It wasn't like a tremendous effort for me, necessarily. I just, you know, let the world into what I do usually. Um, in retrospect, I was very moved by how many people were affected by it and how it helped yeah. a lot of Folks, uh, during a dark time, it also was for me another testament that you know this. That for artists, there's a good side of this: having the time to write, yeah. having the time to practice, having the time to really focus inward on your creativity is is a gift. So, I was happy to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, let's talk about the new record for a minute. I mean, you had Mitchell Froom at the helm and great LA session guys.
3: The thing about Mitchell is that on every front he's proven to be stellar, you know? I couldn't have made a better uh, choice. So yeah, cause he, I think on one hand he understood there's a certain Rufus, a, a luxurious Rufus quality that we have to continue, but that it yeah. has to be done at a certain budget now. And well,
0: I'll... I think he created a, a palette that was still lush, but using uh, voices, some spare strings from time to time.
3: There's a certain clarity that he was very intent on um, on creating, mostly for the songs, because he liked the songs so much, and he's like, yeah. I, mean, I want to still have a lot happening, but I don't want anything to really get in the way. Um, listen, the first song
0: that we played from your record was uh, Peaceful Afternoon. It was both sweet and also candid about how there is that give and take, and, and uh, but it was... Uh, kind of a nice song about uh, relationships. Yeah,
3: yeah, Yeah. nice and also very honest. Um, You know, yeah, it's about my husband or it's it's, uh, dedicated to him and Jorn. We've been together for uh, almost 15 years and married for about seven or eight years. So what's nice about that, my husband, he's German. And there are certain requirements <laughs> when you're married to a German. And one of them for him is that, you know, I have he has to have a song about him on every record. <laughs> so so it's become a bit of an exercise where I have to, you know, really examine that, that our relationship. And in the end, it ends up being quite a beautiful uh, experience. Yeah. And it's good to write love songs now. <laughs> we need, the yeah. world needs more love songs.
0: Um, I we're thinking about playing the next song, which is um, You Ain't Big.
3: And um, tell us a little bit about how that one came around. Well, that I very much attribute to Mitchell uh, in the sense that for me, it was kind of a toss-off. I just one day had written a country song, and then I actually kind of forgot about the tune. And Mitchell, upon going through my catalog, unreleased catalog, he kind of gravitated towards that tune. Well, let's listen to the song, and we'll be right back.
2: Back to Lauren
0: That's You Ain't Big, from the record Unfollow the Rules. My guest is Rufus Wainwright. And I'm trying to remember, I think it was, was it called Blackout Sabbath? Was that something you did years ago? Yes. Just an effort to get people to just turn their lights out sometimes, right?
3: We did a few of those concerts where there was no power allowed in, in the venue, and they were candlelit, and, you know, we sang without mics and everything. And it was just, it was influenced by, um, it was inspired, I should say, by the, uh, by the last big New York power outage. Which I right. felt to be kind of gorgeous and and enlightening, odd term to use, but it was just a way to switch off and and just commune, I guess, with people.
0: It wasn't just about saving energy; it was also about embracing the uh, night sky in a different way, and,
3: and also about turning off devices and being um, just in the moment and, and not you know wasting power in the process. Yeah. Um, Am I right
0: that you and your husband are living in Laurel Canyon now?
3: We are, yeah, no, we've been here for almost five years. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a fundamental part of our lives.
0: We're gonna play a couple more songs. I was thinking about playing uh, Damsel in Distress next, and I think that has a little bit of a sort of a Laurel Canyon
3: flavor. That piece by far is the most kind of influenced by Laurel Canyon, and that is the prime candidate Okay, well, here it comes. We're gonna play it right now.
2: Will you forever be?
0: Good job, Damsel in Distress. You have a really spectacular vocal range. I mean, you can hit those high notes at the end of that song. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I should mention to our listeners that Leonard Cohen is your daughter's grandfather. Is that right? Or Right,
3: yes, yes.
0: That's right. So his song, Hallelujah, your version of that Am I right that on Spotify, it's something like 90 million times it's been played or something? It's
3: it's very popular, yeah. It, at first it was a blessing, then it was a curse, and now it's a blessing again. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to come to terms with it at a certain point. Do you have to sing it at every show? Or? I sing it a, at most shows, yeah. It was really after yeah. he died that I felt, I don't know, the need to... Just keep it going, because it does, you know, he meant so much to so many people and- Yeah, no kidding. And to be part of that, that uh, story is, is a real privilege, so.
0: Yeah. Rufus Wainwright, thanks for doing this.
3: Yes, thank you.
0: That's Rufus Wainwright. His record is called Unfollow the Rules. We've got more from Rufus coming up later on, including a song he recorded specifically for E-Town with Brandy Carlisle, and it's beautiful. We've also got a visit with Joan Osborne coming up. Plus, right after a break, Conversation with filmmaker Jeff Orlowski about his new film, The Social Dilemma.
1: This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. And... By our diverse family of NPR affiliates and community stations, plus college and commercial stations, as well as our international stations and podcast subscribers worldwide. Thank you for your continued support. You're listening to E Town.
0: We are gonna get back to music shortly, but first, uh, we're gonna visit with an old friend, filmmaker Jeff Orlowski. Jeff has made two films uh, really focused on climate change, Chasing Ice and Chasing Coral, highlighting the challenges of a warming earth, um, the earth that's already facing those challenges, and you know, helping to try to raise awareness so that we global citizens can do something about it. His most recent film, which came out on Netflix in September, is called The Social Dilemma, and it deals with a different but related crisis, one that is just as dangerous and scary, and that's the crisis of technology and social media, which, like climate change, also has its vocal deniers, but it's a very real problem. Jeff Rolowski, welcome back to E-Town. Yeah, thank you so much, Nick. So, what led you to this new subject matter? Um, A couple of years ago, I was talking to some friends
4: from college who work in tech, and I was starting to learn and realize what was going on hiding invisibly on the other side of our phones, on the other side of our screens. Mm-hmm. And what reality was happening there that um, that the average person wasn't aware of and wasn't seeing. I started to realize from Tristan and others in our film, like we are talking about an existential threat here. We're talking about, Tristan says, a climate change of culture mm-hmm. where we have invisibly redesigned the way our society interacts with each other. Yeah. Um, and that's happening unbeknownst to us in these little rectangular devices that we carry in our pocket all day.
0: Let's back up a little and talk about the issue that you are, that we're, dis- we're discussing, yeah. which is that um, tech companies have an interest, and your film reveals this, yeah. in keeping us on our screens as long as they possibly can And they do this by feeding us information that sort of supports who we think we are as people. And it actually physiologically releases a dopamine hit, which creates an addiction. And then they can use our own uh, behavior on social media and on the internet to predict our behavior and sell that information to advertisers.
4: Yeah, they are funded through an advertising business model. Right. So, at its very, very core, the fundamental thing says, the more data we can extract from you, the better we can predict who you are, the more we know about you, and the better we can leverage that information to sell something to you. So, the more data they collect about us, the more accurate their predictions can be, and the more time they get from us, the more money they make. Yeah. And that inherently has built out this massive domino effect of, What works on you? What's gonna work on Nick? If I am here, I'm Nick's algorithm, and I'm gonna try to figure out, okay, you have 100 friends on Facebook right now, if I can grow your network and get you to have a thousand friends instead of a hundred friends, I've just gotten a ten x potential increase in revenue because now every time you post something, ten times more people might see that thing. Mm-hmm. And if you spend ten minutes a day on this platform, but if I can get you to spend twenty minutes, I can get you to spend thirty minutes. I know exactly what's going to work on you. I know what you love. Oh, you like this guitar. You don't like those guitars. You like these guitars. And <laughs> oh wait, not that. Don't show him that drum. He hates that drum. But these drum. Oh, this amp and that drum. He goes bonkers over those. There's no programmer sitting there trying to figure out what's gonna work on you. But there's an automated computer system that is figuring out just what's gonna get your your dopamine to light up for you. We think of Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, there's this one word that represents this particular thing. But in reality, there are 2.7 billion versions of Facebook out there, customized to each and every one of us. We're each in our own Truman Show version of this particular software being fed now for year after year after year, a constantly learning and self-reinforcing series of posts that will engage us. Years later, we're seeing this yeah. domino effect, we're seeing all these consequences, and we have to look back and and really reckon with the Frankenstein that, that that they have built. It is like Frankenstein. Yeah. It's alive. It's alive, and and now they have a system that is entrenched in the stock market. So they can't even easily undo what they have built because of the the fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders. So even if they wanted to just about face and change and turn around and be more ethical, they're gonna get sued by shareholders. They're kind of stuck in the system now. So we, we have a big uphill battle
0: around how we change this. Circling back to climate change for a sec, these kinds of manipulations have consequences. So as I understand it, if I'm a politically conservative person and all of my search engine history and all of the data right. that I'm after is, is very narrowly focused in a very conservative yep. direction, and I plug in the words into Google, climate change is, mm-hmm. it'll give me a different set of answers than if I'm a you know progressive yes. environmentalist living in Boulder, Colorado, yes. and I say climate change is. Those Those answers will be divergent. Correct. The original concept, the original intent
4: seems so innocent. We did this experiment and we also asked friends, this is actually one of the last things I did on social media, was like, hey everybody, mind searching for this phrase and send me what you know what Google gives you. And then we got all this data from all these different people around the world about what it what Google offered when you searched for the phrase climate change is. And and that happens, you know, that's one specific example around environmental values. But the reality there is across any type of value system.
0: Yeah. yeah. In case you just joined us, you're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster, and uh, we're here with Jeff Orlowski talking about his new film, The Social Dilemma. So one of the things that really struck me was basically if the platform is free, yes. then we're the product. Exactly. We are the product that's being sold. For me, that's one of the easiest rubrics
4: that I, I try to use myself in terms of, I am very skeptical of things that I don't pay for right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and maybe it is a a privileged mindset to say, look, I want to pay the dollar for my app or pay the few bucks for for the thing that I'm using. But I, I am having less and less trust around the things that are giving us something for free and turning us or our data or our experience into some sort of monetization form that they're profiting from somebody else. Yeah, Because now we become a cog in the machine. We are the resource, we're being mined yeah. and extracted. Like, I don't wanna be mined for my life experience for somebody else's financial gain. Like, I just don't wanna take part in a system like that. Mm-hmm. And that is Google,
0: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, yeah. Snapchat. And it's addictive. So listen, we're talking about the, uh, a the sort of- breakdown of, of everything. <laughs> breakdown, you know, the an existential threat regarding the health of the planet, the fabric of our democracy, the trust in media, uh, the bonds of the family unit, mental health of teenagers. Um, so, that model is working really well for the companies. Yeah. And as you say, they're kind of hemmed in by the stock market, so they can't really do a lot of change. Um, what are we gonna do? You know, what what yeah. can we do? And I don't, it can't just be, okay, I'm gonna stop using Facebook right. or Twitter. Yeah, well, let me, let me just
4: frame this first. Um, when you think about climate change and the scale of that problem and the complexity of that problem, and how do we address it? You know, we have everything from the individual actions to the company actions to the political actions. It goes all across the board. That's what I really feel like we need to do with our technology. I mean, it is individual actions that we can do just to protect ourselves, to protect your own family. It is putting pressure on the tech companies to change their code, to reprogram this stuff, to rewrite the stuff, and in many ways, This is easier than climate change and that the engineers could just redesign it and reprogram it. It's not a huge physical infrastructure Mm -hmm. that that needs to change. But assuming that that's not gonna happen anytime soon, the only other option really is regulation. And we're seeing other countries and we're seeing Europe trying to put pressure. Uh, The core part of the problem is this business model that is not designed to serve humanity that we never expected to get Mm -hmm. as big as it is. I mean, Twitter started as an art project But now we're at a place where we know that this business model is inherently in conflict with human civilization. Like That is my personal deepest takeaway from this whole thing. I will not trust these companies until they change their business model. How quickly
0: and how proactively can they get off this business model? It might take a while. Jeff Rolowski, thank you so much for coming back to E-Town. I mean, again, this is, um, you've made a career out of scaring the heck out of us, (laughs) Um, but with good intention. And uh, I really appreciate the quality of your work and the consistency of your work. Yeah. Thanks for being on E-Town again. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Nick. Yeah. That was Jeff Orlowski, director of The Social Dilemma, which you can see on Netflix. My next guest is Joan Osborne. She is one of the most versatile and successful singers we know, somebody who has not only sold millions of records, but has sung with the Funk Brothers, uh, The Dead, Bob Dylan, and Pavarotti. Her new album is called Trouble and Strife. Here comes a song from that album called What's That You Say.
5: touch the crops until there's nothing left alive when it all goes crazy well you won't find me around said Panama won't let me let me down Panama won't let me down it won't let me down Panama won't let me down it won't that unfold. My heart is in the wilderness, howling like a hound. But won't Panama let won't me let me, let me, won't let me down. Panama won't let me down, it won't
0: Joan Osborne has been an outspoken artist, often dealing with what's going on in the world. This new record, Trouble and Strife, brings an awful lot into focus. It addresses all kinds of issues, climate change, gender identity, immigration, disinformation. Joan, welcome back to E-Town.
6: Thank you so much. It is so nice to be back here again. The first time I appeared on the show was like 25 years ago.
0: Yeah, a little more than 25 years ago was the first time we we got to do this. Ugh. Um You're covering some ground here.
6: Yeah, well, I think I had always kind of shied away from writing political songs. You know, most of my work in politics took the form of, you know, doing benefits for causes that I believed in and, and, uh, you know, sort of taking the focus off of me and reflecting it onto these other groups that I I thought were doing amazing work. But I, I really didn't get into writing political songs per se until this record and it you know partly it was um just because that's been so much on my mind since the 2016 election um and also i think it, it came from being able to sing a lot of bob dylan songs in the record before mm-hmm. this right uh, and i think you know he's sort of the master in writing a song that has a political flavor and political connotations but isn't Only about one particular event that can talk about all kinds of different events and that, you know, a song that isn't going to be irrelevant when that particular event is gone. So, um, so I think I I learned a lot uh, from doing a deep dive into the Dylan material. And also I just had a lot to say because I, I felt like. I wanted to take on the responsibilities of a citizen that we all can take on, mm-hmm. um, but I also wanted to use this platform that I have as an artist and, and try to uh, have some sort of, you know, however small, some sort of positive effect with that.
0: Yeah, as a point of clarification, you made this record and you wrote the songs pretty quickly, as I recall, like you had the studio time booked and you were not sure what you were gonna do and <laughs> the floodgates opened.
6: Yeah, yeah, I kind of pushed myself up against a deadline. Um, I, I booked uh, some musicians that I, you know, that are very busy, that are in demand all the time. So I, I was only going to get them for this very brief period of time, and I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do in the studio. And as the date got closer and closer. Uh, you know, I hemmed and hawed and I thought, well, maybe we should do songs of Bob Dylan volume two, cause people are really interested in this and I enjoy doing it and whatever. And then finally about four days before the sessions, I was like, you know, I'm just going to see what I can come up with. And I locked myself in a room for four days and went through all the piles of notes and little, you know, uh, voicemail messages right. uh, that I've left myself with melody ideas and all of this and wrote about 13 songs in the space of four days. And that's mostly what you hear on this record is, wow. is those songs. So in a way, um, there was not a lot of overthinking. And right. it, I think the, the songs are, are much more direct um, than a lot of the stuff that I've written in the past.
0: You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. I'm here with Joan Osborne. That song we heard at the opening, What's That You Say, includes spoken word in Spanish. So how did that happen?
6: Yeah, well, um, the song is sort of my a response to the immigration situation in this country. When I was growing up, immigration was looked at as something very positive for America. And I've always been very conscious, especially as an artist, of Everything that immigrants have brought and continue to bring to our society, whether it's, you know, their energy and their enterprise and their starting businesses or whether they're bringing their artistic traditions with them. And, of course, lately, immigrants have been really demonized. It baffles me that anybody could actually go along with that. So I wanted to write a song about uh, about a person who has come here from another country and has become this sort of shining light uh, in in the United States and brought this very positive, wonderful thing with them. So the song was finished and there were these big instrumental um sections in it that didn't have any singing. And I, I kept hearing like a, a spoken word thing, you know, like in an Elvis song right. uh, or a Barry White song or something. And I just kept hearing that in my head. And I thought, well, I don't want this to be me. So why don't I pass the mic to someone who has actually lived this immigrant experience? Yeah. And so I contacted this organization called Raisis and they are a group that works at our Southern border with people who are trying to navigate this very dehumanizing uh, immigration system that, that is set up on our southern border. And I asked them if they knew of somebody who uh, would want to talk about their personal experience coming to this country. And they uh, connected me with this really wonderful woman. Her name is Anna Maria Raya. And to me, she's the quintessential example of someone who comes here and makes this country better. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that background, but also thanks for putting the song on the record because... It does the job. It gets you into that framework of understanding the process and the value and the power that immigration brings to this country. So that device worked, that narrative, even though I didn't know the words.
6: Well, thanks. I hope that's true. Yeah,
0: I think it is. I got the vibe. Um, We're about to listen to That Was a Lie. Um, What were you thinking about when you wrote that song?
6: I feel like in this moment, uh, it it has a lot of relevance um, because there's a lot of people running around just lying their faces off <laughs> and uh, it's very dangerous the way that most of you know I guess the media or journalists will take someone who is you know representing a group, an organization, a government, listen to them just straight up lie and then sort of talk about it in these, uh, in these very sterile terms of like, oh, they must have misspoken or, oh, I think that was a misstatement or, oh, that was an alternate fact or whatever. It's like, no, <laughs> just say that they're lying. Because if you don't say that, then you are covering up for them and you're allowing them to continue to do that. And it's it's very dangerous.
0: So, So we're going to listen to That Was a Lie right now. Great. That was a lie. A song on my guest Joan Osborne's new album, "Trouble and Strife." It's great to reconnect with you, Joan, and congratulations on your new record. And um, I hope we get to see each other in person sometime soon.
6: Yeah, thank you so much, Nick. I'm so glad to see you guys back at it. And yeah, let's uh, let's hope for uh, some in-person time next year.
0: Thanks, Joan. That's Joan Osborne. Her new record is called "Trouble and Strife." It's out on her own label. You can find more information about that on her own website. I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town. We'll be back after a short break with a song that Rufus Wainwright and Brandy Carlisle recorded just for E-Town.
1: Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by Silk, a pioneer of plant-based beverages that supports the environment as the charter sponsor of Change the Course, a program created by National Geographic to help conserve and restore fresh water to the planet. More about Silk's environmental commitments and plant-based nutrition. At silk.com. If you've tuned in late and you've missed some of this week's program, the E Town Podcast will have this episode and others along with content from past shows as well. It's available for free in Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast directories. You're listening to E Town.
0: Hi, I'm Nick Forster. I want to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like UM UMFM in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, on WSKG in Binghamton, New York, and parts there around, and on KMTN in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Thanks for listening. As always, if you want more information about any of our guests, if you want to see some videos from this show, all that information and more is available online at etown.org. Before covid When E-Town was a live stage performance, we'd end the show with a big finale and all the musicians and the house band and uh, Helen and I would all get together on stage and perform together. Since that can't happen these days, we're creating new ways of bringing that collaboration to you. So Rufus has been figuring out how to connect with his fans remotely ever since this pandemic started back in March. And now he's even doing full concerts from his home, still streaming online and selling tickets. Because after all, he had to give up all of his gigs this year, just like all musicians and performers. So Rufus is no stranger to this remote way of making music. And for this E-Town collaboration, I asked him who he'd most like to sing with, who he hasn't sung with yet. And he told me Brandi Carlile. I mentioned that Rufus is from a musical family. And of course, his dad is Loudon Wainwright III. His mother is the late Kate McGarrigle of the famed McGarrigal Sisters. She died about 10 years ago of cancer. And Rufus chose one of her favorite songs to do with Brandy. This one was written by Sandy Denny, who was also a good friend of his mother's. It's called, Who Knows Where the Time Goes. And this is with Rufus and his band in LA, Brandy at her home. And I'm adding some mandolin and some slide guitar from here at E-Town Hall. I have to say that it is one of the most beautiful finales we've ever had on our show. Here it comes, Who Knows Where the Time Goes.
5: the evening sky all the birds are leaving but how can they know And who knows where the
7: time goes Who knows where the
5: time The time
2: and will be so
0: Such a beautiful song. So great to hear those two voices together, Rufus Wainwright and Brandy Carlisle. It's a wonder that they haven't collaborated at all until now. Thank you all for joining us this week in E-Town. We are being creative. We're doing things that we haven't done before, but we're really trying to connect the dots in the same way we always have. I want to thank all our guests, Jeff Orlowski. Thanks so much for being a part of this show and sharing some information about his new film called The Social Dilemma. Thanks to our musical guests, Rufus Wainwright, Joan Osborne. Thanks to Brandy Carlisle for making a cameo. And um, I also want to thank our production crew. That's Helen Forster, Todd Ayers, Kelly Griffin, Zach Littlefield, and James Scoble-Wolf. There's a lot to think about out there in the world, and we hope that this combination of artists, uh, filmmaker, and others have given you something to ponder, something to enjoy this week. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town.
1: Distribution of E-Town is made possible by our family of sponsors, this station, and listeners like you. This is a production of E-Town.
0: That's E-Town with Rufus Wainwright from Los Angeles, California. And Joan Osborne talking to us from her home in upstate New York. Plus Jeff Orlowski, filmmaker, talking about his great film, The Social Dilemma. So much to think about, so much to listen to. Special treat. How about that song with Brandi Carlisle and Rufus Wainwright? One of the many things we are proud to deliver this week. I'm Nick Forster. Thanks for listening.